I realized I just looked, I've posted 20 videos this year on YouTube, which Jeez. is pretty good. Like, I think that that's more than I would have done more than I did last year for yeah. sure. Yeah. So it was like, it was like a good opportunity to like sit down at home because there wasn't anything else to do and think about what do I want to make? What kind of videos do I want to make? So do you feel like you're just trying to survive the winter or are you trying to ramp up and, and keep up that amount of videos that you're making? Cause it's more than one a month. If you're doing 20 so far in the year, that's at maybe mm -hmm. even two a month. Mm -hmm. Do you have I'm some kind to keep, of schedule? Do you have an idea? I don't have a specific schedule. I never have had a schedule cause I don't have it. My YouTube channel is not about anything. Mm -hmm. I just make videos about whatever is like tickling my fancy at the time. But I would like to keep it up. I have ideas. I have things that I want to do. And, uh, I also have a lot of client work. Um, and this year I started a production company, my brother, Coin Brothers Productions. Oh, nice. The two of us are, we have to do stuff. And so if there's no like client work to do, there's like, okay, let's come up with a YouTube video and do that. Or, um, and just try and keep continuing to mix up because what else are you going to do? Like when you're sitting inside all winter long, yeah. there's nothing going on. Um, yeah. You know, I think that there's going to be interesting stories. I think that, if people are interested in New York City, people are interested in, a, uh, oh, wow, New York shut down and it's cold and it's terrible, there's an interesting story there. Is it really terrible? Why? What does it look like? What are the restaurant people doing? What, what do you um, even call what you're doing in this type of video? Because it's not vlog, it's not documentary, but it's so topical. It's like, you, you know? Well, maybe maybe it's vlogumentary. Vlogumentary? Okay. That's fine. That sounds it's, good. It's maybe it's like a first person documentary or something like that. It's like, yeah, I, I guess it's like, um, the New York times has opdoxed, you know about that? No, Those videos that they do, they do basically, it's like if you write an opinion piece in the New York times and whatever, they, they have that for video too. So it's, it's sort of blurring the line between journalism and opinion. And I try to insert myself into it to some extent and share my perspective based on experiences, based on me being there, interviewing people based on that's kind of the only way I know how to do it mm -hmm. is like put myself in it. So vlog, vlogumentary, I guess one, doc. one person that I know that's doing that pretty well is uh, Johnny Harris. I don't know if you know him. Funny that you say that. I was going to say that too. I was just writing this thing right here um, on my notebook. I was writing like an idea for a oh, piece. Wow. Paper. Look at that. And I have, I have Johnny Harris. And then I have, they have an, there's an arrow and it says maps. And then it says Craig Adams. And there's an arrow and it says hiking. <laughs> and then it says Sarah Dietschy and there's an arrow and it says tech. And then it says etc. And what I'm writing about is how important it is on YouTube to find if you want to, how important it is if you want to build an audience and get a lot of views and get people to like subscribe to you and, and latch on to you. It's really important to deliver the same sort of general theme consistently over and over again. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do that, it's very hard for people to latch on to what you're doing and, and commit to you because you're not really committing to doing anything specific. So it's hard. So like, why do they have a reason to commit to you? Yeah. Except for you and you're not important enough. You know what I mean? Unless you're like a celebrity or whatever, unless you're, you have something that's like, you know, people are going to take whatever they want from you. So you have to find that. So as, so that's what Johnny Harris has, has done is he realized that this concept of telling a story through talking about maps and borders and like geography 
was a great entry way, entry point to tell sort of whatever types of stories he wanted to tell. So he was able to do that and, and grow his channel. And I think that there's a couple of things that he does that don't necessarily fit into that specific category, but I think for the most part they do. So I guess, does that answer your question to say like, what do I think about him? What I think, well, that's what I think about him. That's yeah. what I think about you. That's what I think about people who are successful on YouTube across the board in 2020. And I guess for the last few years is they um, stick to something that the audience kind of knows what they can expect from them. And, and you consistently meet and then exceed that expectation. Yeah. It, it's all about ex- expectations. If people don't know what is coming they can't get ready for it and when you deliver it yeah it has to be more than what they expected for them to want more some like more later okay yeah it's a very simple concept but uh it is the foundation of why people kind of fall into one category just like you described sarah with tech me with hiking yeah i think that makes sense so, so it's interesting if you look at those at those three examples that I gave, right? Mm. Your story and journey is very different from the two of them. So you kind of like eventually found your way into it, but you did a lot of things before you found your way into the hiking videos. You were, you were a YouTube person first, and you were interested in making videos and telling stories and experimenting with a lot of different things. And then you kind of found this, and you were, oh, let me follow this path. Johnny was a journalist who worked for Vox, and they said, why don't you, you know, pitch a story about maps and whatever, and he's producing all these videos, and then the map thing kind of happened, and he stumbled into it, and then it was like, okay, well, if I break off, this is obviously what I'm going to do. And Sarah was someone who was always interested. I'm trying to figure it out for myself because I, part of my job at, is, is like, uh, is a marketing person for other, for brands, right? I had, like, help tell, make videos and come up with, like, strategies for, for brands. Um, and so it's important for me to be able to understand like the landscape and what's out there and explain it to people in a way that's simple and digestible and then provide examples mm. for like like what works and what doesn't so that they that they can pay me as a consultant to tell them what to do. And if I can't necessarily do that myself through my own videos, I can I can at least say here's what you need to do. Look at this, look at this, look at this. And and it's incredible like what I just said in 5 minutes if I say that to to a client They'll pay me a lot of money and say, that's genius. How did you come up with that? <laughs> and it's, and it's like, it's like, I, I don't know. It's like, it's because I've, I've watched YouTube. I've worked in YouTube for 10 years, probably a little over 10 years. And I have, I pay attention and I watch what's out there and I, all my friends do it. You know what I mean? I, I know these people and I know, I know what it's like to be in your shoes. I know what it's like to be in Johnny's shoes because I kind of have done it myself. And so I think I have a pretty good understanding of, um, where these people are coming from. I'm very good friends with Colin Samir. You know Colin Samir, right? Mm-hmm. They they had a very similar journey to you, I think, where they made lots of different videos about lots of different things and then relatively recently found a niche and just started hammering that and grew and succeeded from it. And so it's like I've watched this play out over and over again. Um, so it makes a lot of sense. It's very simple for me. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I analyze it and understand it because I think it's important for me to know uh, it makes me more valuable as a consultant. As a YouTuber, I like to think of myself as, as sort of how, why am I not like that and why am I purposely not like that? And what is it about, like, what, what are my goals as a YouTuber? Do I want to find a niche and lean into that and make specific type of videos over and over again? Or do I want to be 
sort of like anti version of that and just not really and try not to worry about viewership and views and subscribers and make videos totally for fun, independent and not worry about money there and find my money elsewhere. I would say your videos typically start with a question and then the way that you answer that question, you're just sharing your thought process and the entire like walking through and answering it yourself. So it's like you're a very curious person and then you get to that answer and you're just sharing the experience. That's how I would describe your videos. Whatever that question is, it can be very different. And that's why you can go in so many different directions and why the topical current up to date works for that is because that's what you're curious about, I guess. So I, that makes sense. And that's I like, that's how I think about it too. But when someone asks me, Jack, like, what's your YouTube channel about? Like, that's kind of the question. People ask you that all the time. You have a one word answer. It's very simple. And it's like, oh shit, I'm interested in that. I'll subscribe. For me, the answer, well, I'm curious about things. And so I make videos about things that I'm curious about. Inherently means that you're interested in me, Jack Coin. You have like, because otherwise it's like, why the fuck do I care about? No, sorry for cursing. Why do I care about your opinion? Um, So they have to be interested in me. Whereas with you, with a lot of these other people we've talked about, the person, the creator, who they are is is secondary to the subject matter and the topic. Mm -hmm. Whereas when it's doing, when you're doing an opinion piece on something, I think that you're who you are as a person. The they have to have a reason to care about you. Yeah. You know what I mean? There has to be some, you have to be adding some additional value or incentive. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes sense. But the questions still matter because I would argue, I know that my percentages are about 80% algorithm-based recommendation discovery versus 20% subscribers opted in to watch my content. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course there could be some overlap between those as far as YouTube recommending my content to people who are, are, are already subscribed. There might be some British 80, 20 is a big, massive difference in, uh, it's the title is the thumbnail. It's the success of my previous videos, uh, people watching within the first hour that gets the algorithm happy and continues to spend time sharing my video to other people. So as much as people can understand and want to see how you go through and answer these questions, the questions still matter. hundred percent. The questions matter, but you, but part of the, part of what you just said is that like the, the previous success of your previous video is also relevant to how often your videos get suggested and shared and how often people click on them. Yeah. So you could take the, the same video on your channel and have success because the first hour the algorithm gets happy and it recommends and you and everything works as well. If you took that same video and uploaded to a channel with no subscribers, like it's just not going to recommend it. And I, I think that like the I that when your channel centered around answering a specific question or sort of being curious about something, that question has to be relevant to a huge swath of people, and you it sort of has to be relevant to the same people and the same like subscriber base or some percentage of them over and over again. And that means you're kind of rolling the dice every single time and saying like, I really hope that people like are interested in this do these question care? that I'm asking. Do these people yeah. care like every single time? Cause they're all over the place. Cause yeah. it's not consistent. Whereas if I was just doing something about food over and mm-hmm. over again, it's like, there he goes again with the food. There he goes again with the food it's hitting. So you know huh. that you can say, okay, I'm going to Alaska. Boom. That hits. Okay. I'm going to go to the Andes. Boom. That hits. Okay. I'm going to go to Switzerland. Boom. It's like, 
you don't the, the question that you have to ask is is relatively simple. The question that Johnny Harris has to ask is there's a border here, there's a border here, there's a border here. Yeah. Colin and Samir, they have to break down some topic within like something that's relevant in, in YouTube news, right? So they have to say boom, boom, boom. A tech YouTuber, I think, is the simplest example of it because it's like, yeah. what's coming out this week? Talk about that. Yeah. You know? It, it's kind of a, a trickle down. Tech is way different than other content on YouTube because the companies have to make the product they have to do something and it all trickles down from there like yeah as far as an event maybe like if it's topical like x does this it can all the people report on it and then the people report on the reporting so it trickles down from there but for hiking it's different there's no single event where i'm like following to do that so i just i'm just finding whatever is interesting to me um yeah that that's Tech is so different. It's way, way different. And your videos will you so like will you side like will more of your videos sidebar on your videos? So if you have like if you're, someone's watching one of your hiking videos, then yeah. it'll be like, oh, you like this one? Check out these like seven yeah. more because there's not a lot of other people who are making videos like this that you are already interested in. That's why I'll Same do thing. similar titles, similar thumbnails, no text. Like it's always just a clean thumbnail so that people in an instant no if they like this this is going to be similar so it's, it's right there it's using that that trust i guess yeah whereas with me if we're watching video that's like here's why new york city is not dead youtube has no reason to say oh here's like why people are eating bread right now or why people yeah. are making bread at home those okay. two things are completely yeah irrelevant like if you're interested in one you shouldn't be you're like you're not going to be interested in the other one necessarily yeah. the only thing that's connecting those two is me and you like the way that I think about things and break things down. But does the algorithm know that? I guess the problem I would try to solve for you would be your subscribers work. Your subscribers can understand and know the expectation you're setting and you can satisfy that. But I just don't think your videos will be recommended because the algorithm doesn't see them. It doesn't connect the videos, just like you said, between the different questions mm -hmm. and yeah, that's that's tough. So is that a problem that you've thought about you're trying to solve in some regard or are you just going to go in left field, fuck it, do whatever? Well, that's what I so so yes, it's something that I think about to a certain extent. Hmm. Um the people who are, I think are like a lot of the people who are really successful in 2020 on YouTube, they spend basically the majority of their time thinking about what's the title and what's the thumbnail going to be and how how am I going to get people through the door? And every video that I make that is the last thing that I think about. I'm like, I'm gonna, I want to upload this video in the next five minutes. Just finish the edit, and I'm like, let me just slap together a thumbnail. Like, I don't like that part of it. I'm not, I'm not interested in making YouTube videos so that I can like make thumbnails that people click on. I'm interested in making videos in general, and YouTube is a good place to put them. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think about it in the same way that like Vimeo was in like 2009 or whatever, 2010. Like, I just like kind of want to get staff picks. And what I mean by that is if I make a video, I don't care if it gets a million views. Obviously, it's cool if it gets a million views. That's sick, right? It's like, okay, now I can do. I have opportunities. People will pay me to do stuff. But what I really care about is just the one right person the right watching people. the video. Yeah. But if when you get a million people, views, there's people, more of a chance. It's more likely. Yeah. It's yeah. more likely. Yeah. But I, I sort of think that with what I'm doing – if I have the right two or three people who are like, wait, this guy, like, he, I like the way he thinks about things. I like that he's kind of outside the norm. 
And even though he's only getting 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 views every once in a while, 20,000 views on a video, he cares like about like the, just the craft of making the videos. And that's what he's in it for. He's not in it to like be a famous YouTuber. He's in it because he's interested in this craft. And so that's sort of where, where I've landed in the last year. And I, and I can, the reason that I think that I feel like that is because I started on YouTube and had a lot of success very early on. Last time we talked on the podcast, on your podcast, right? It was like, oh, wow. Like I had all these like successful like videos. A lot of people were watching. I was like doing stuff. And it wasn't really happy doing that. I wasn't really happy doing an ad read for Epidemic Sound. No offense, Epidemic, I love you. For whatever it was to like pay the bills to be able to do more videos. Like that wasn't the satisfaction that I was looking for. I wanted to make a video that I was like, I really like this video. I think that this video, I'm really happy and proud of this video. and I want to put it out there. And because I'm happy with this video, like Samsung hard drives will be like, Jack, will you make a video for us that we can put on TV that we can put on our YouTube channel mm -hmm. that could just, cause we like the way that you think about things and we like the way that you connect these dots. So that's kind of my objective is for me, the YouTube channel is just a way to sort of showcase work and ideas. Okay, so that's and, the and aspect of making money and, and satisfying sponsors. I, I would like to go back to these people who, the right people watching your videos. How do you know they're the right people? What makes this the right person? Is it the way that they watch your videos? So is that watch time, drop-off rate? Is that uh, engagement? Are they commenting? Like, can someone be the right person watching your video if they don't subscribe they just find your videos yeah. every so often it's literally it's literally like getting a dm from someone or or like an email from someone who's interesting who's cool and they say hey i saw this video like i really like that that was really cool and it's like wow i appreciate the work that you do and i like like that's so to hear that feels really good hmm. and that's what i mean by the right person sometimes that person is connected to money and opportunity and that's great. And I get to go somewhere and do like make a video about something cool or I get to go speak somewhere or whatever it is. Someone who opens more doors for you. Someone who opens more doors is, is one of the things that's great. But really it's as simple as a, a, a person that I, who I don't, maybe, maybe I know them or maybe I don't know them. And then I discover that I respect them watches the video. Like this kid emailed me hmm. the other day, maybe two weeks ago. And he said, Hey man, like, you know, I'm a big fan. I like X, Y, and Z videos that you've made. It's really cool. Here's a video that I made. I think you'll like it. And it was unreal. It was like so good. And it had like a thousand views, you know, from like, it's like a year old. Not a lot of people have watched it. And I was so stoked that this kid who made something that I appreciated and I liked, liked my video. That means more to me than getting a million views. That one email. And it didn't open any doors, but it's like, but he said, Hey dude, like he lives in Colorado. He's like, if you're ever in Colorado, like let's go for a run. Let's go for a trail run. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. That's what I'm interested in. Those personal connections with like the right people. Hmm. And so I've had an opportunity to do that in the last few years to like spend time with people one-on-one -on -one who I respect, who I'm interested in, whether it's chefs who have a restaurant or make food that I really like or whether it's someone who wrote something that's really interesting or whether it's another filmmaker or photographer. And they say, I, you know, I watched that one video that you did and I really like that. And I say, you know, I really like your pictures that you take. It's like, that's the kind of like exchange hmm. that gets me fired up because I don't have to depend on 
getting Epidemic Sound to pay me $5,000 to say, download Epidemic Sound and da-da-da-da. Not that I have anything against that for a lot of people. Like, I think it's great. I think that's a great way to make money. I think it's a great opportunity. I think it's good for Epidemic Sound. But for me personally, in my journey of like starting YouTube and being successful to like now not getting a lot of views, I'm kind of more satisfied because I'm not relying on myself and on like putting my face out there to like bring home the bacon. Yeah. It's a give and take with sponsors. I felt that doing ads for third-party companies, poor epidemic. We're just going to keep using them as an example. Yeah, they're going to keep getting roasted. <laughs> they're fine. Um, but they're the best. It, it takes energy to do that. And I feel like it, in some regard, steers the message that you want to express with your channel away momentarily. So it's, yeah, it's, it's funneling attention away for money which will help open doors maybe give you freedom to do what is on message for your channel so yeah it's okay every so often to do that but you can do it too much you can take way too much of time and attention away from the message that's important for other companies 100 percent, 100 percent. i think you do a good job of balancing it too and you also because this goes back to the same thing about having finding a niche and finding a topic that you can kind of like go back to it's much more relevant for you to do a, a branded thing for Solomon or whatever for, because it's like, that's what you're doing. It fits in. Like it makes sense. You genuinely do use the stuff. You genuinely are using this tent. So you should get a sponsorship from a tent company. Yeah. It fits. And no one's going to like criticize you for that. And it doesn't distract that much from the message that you're, that you're trying to, that you're yeah. trying to. Tell. So, pulling away and, and taking attention to sell any kind of service or product, what the best, I, I'm trying to analyze the spectrum of that. Like if I was selling my own prints, my own workshops, my own product, I think that would align closer with the expectations that I'm setting. People want subscribe to watch my stuff. So if I'm selling products that relate to me, that's an okay, uh, uh, percent. use. And then, like you said, it kind of goes, spectrum down from there companies that i use and recommend would be something that i could sell time and attention for and then yeah it would be completely at a left field if i did uh makeup or something like just something i would never use something that doesn't align so yeah yeah and i think that the missing piece that you and i understand that maybe people listening don't understand is how soul sucking the interaction can be yeah with those like no offense to the epidemic sponsors out there watching so <laughs> no epidemic epidemic is a great one they are so easy to work with and so nice and really fantastic and i genuinely believe they're the best music subscription service really that i've ever used i'm gonna drop your it's, code it's more like um it's it's more like every once in a while you like they have these expectations of you like you owe them like the world and it's like, you're coming to me and paying me not that much at all for the value that I'm providing for you. Like, and you're trying to tell me how to make a video. You know what I mean? Like, we've all had that. Everyone who makes YouTube videos has had that experience where it's like, you don't know how to make the videos that I make. You asked me to like talk about your thing. Just let me do it. Let me handle it. Yeah. Instead of like being, and then you spend all this time and you publish a video. And instead of that feeling of like, wow, I'm really proud of my work. You're like, I fucking hate this thing. I yeah. hate that I have to do this. 
And so, that's the difference is that feeling when you press the upload button. Yeah, you're right. So along that spectrum, that column of how much it aligns with your message, uh, right next to it is the expectations, I guess the relationship of the company to you. So how much they care and respect you. Um, if they're letting you do your own thing, they trust you. That's probably at the top of the spectrum. And then going down are companies that expect a lot. They're difficult. The communication is not so good. They don't understand what your content is. And then also to the right of that is another column of money. So if I'm making a little bit, but doing my own thing, that's fine. I would say that's at the top of the column. And then going down from there, you could work with a company that's lower, like mid in the spectrum that maybe doesn't get what you do, but they kind of respect you. Um, and then it's kind of aligned. So it's like running or hiking based, but it's not really something I would use, but they are giving you three times the amount as what you would make up here. So that will influence whether you say yes or no to any deal within that. So I, I don't yeah. know, I'm very analytical. So I just picture these columns with the spectrums and then like picking, uh, the different variables. Yes or no. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that the you, you also have to balance like your audience's expectations and your audience's respect for you and relationship with you too. So that like, you know, you know, I, I, I've, I've posted videos before where there's like a sponsorship thing and that thing. And, they, and, and the audience will react and say, wow, Jack, good to see you getting that money. Good to see you getting that sponsorship deal. You know what I mean? Like if they, you can get away with doing a lot of stuff where it's obviously you're shilling mm -hmm. if, if the audience is like, has this relationship with you where they say, Oh wow, we, we want to see you like make money and be successful. So you got to get it somehow. Yeah. So picking it's the spot weird within, other outside column. So I, yeah, that's like an overlay over the column. I would say that's frequency. So if you just do it once a year, people would say, get that money. Okay. He's doing it. That's fine. But if you did that every week, any, anywhere in the spectrum, if you did any of those deals every week, that would affect it negatively. I don't know. It's fascinating for me to be able to actually like quantify, picture it graphically. Like that's just how my mind works. So it's cool that you agree. I like that. Oh um, uh, yeah. Cool. So yeah, let's just talk about more social media. Why not? It's like sometimes I catch myself and I'm like, why, 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 why do I just like worry about this stuff so much? But it is what we do. Uh, I'm curious. Did you see social dilemma? You, I didn't see social dilemma, but I did read, I mean, I did listen to uh, Tristan, Tristan on Sam Harris. Harris. Yeah. I know, I know you're a big Sam Harris guy too. I'm, I'm a big fan of that podcast and I heard him on there. And so I have a pretty good idea of what it's about. I also feel like I didn't need to watch it because I, I understood it. Like people were like who, like my mom who watched it was like, did you know? I'm like, yeah, I've known that for years. I worked at a social media company. Mm -hmm. I, I was a product manager for a social media company. My job was to get people to stay on the app as long as possible. That was my mandate. Yeah. So, yeah. So new minimalism documentary coming out from Matt Diavella. I don't know if you're on his radar at all. Do you know the book? I, yeah, I was on his podcast a couple years ago. Awesome. Awesome. Um, he's great. He's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch that. I'm, I'm not a minimalist though. I'm a maximalist. I have a lot of crap. You know what I mean? I've seen enough photos of, of, I've witnessed, I don't know, enough of your personality. I, I wouldn't say it overlaps. So that's, that's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. You, you do he, you, man. <laughs> he, uh, 
he's he's another person who kind of like right like fell into like a niche and found it and just hit it so hard that he was able to grow really really fast on youtube yeah what is his Um, word with his arrow intention minimalism help growth and maybe growth he's he's in the business of helping people grow or change as sarah is to tech matt diavella is to it's definitely self-help it reminds me of like it's not dissimilar to like a like self-help books that you would see in the airport like his like brand of content is like oh like the self-help book section of the yeah people might ask like matt when are you going to write a book he already wrote the book it's his channel it's like the new way of getting that information to the younger masses better i think his channel is better than any self-help book i've ever read or seen yeah, it's good. He's he's good. I mean, I appreciate that he like that he doesn't just talk about the things that he does the experiments himself yeah. and does the thirty day challenges. It's really like that's great, yeah. you know. So, do you watch YouTube at all? Yeah. Oh yeah, I watch YouTube. Do you've like uh, not a ton too for a while or what? What is it? Does it change? Not a ton. Um, it changes. I subscribe to some people. I mean, I, sub- I, I watch like a lot of, I watch some of the classics, a little Casey Neistat in there. Is he still making videos in LA? No, no, he he's stopped. Cool, he's cooled down. Okay. He stopped. I watch, I watch all of Colin and Samir's videos pretty much. Cool. Um, I watch, um, I watch a lot of your videos. Ooh. Okay. I, um, um, I can't like can't, I I I was like huge on David Dobrik, um, when he was making YouTube videos. Is he that still doing? Because he was like pretty frequent with the 420 vlogs, right? Is he still he just, doing that? He just does TikTok now. He left. Wow. Okay. He left YouTube. That makes sense. What's his format for TikTok? It's like what 15 seconds or something? Similar, similar kind of things, like short. Yeah, short, 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 short. Like are almost they like edited, vine. or are they single video TikToks of his vlogs? Basically, both. It's kind of a combination. It's it's not it's not re-editing the vlogs. It's like little like let me show you. This is really funny. And then he does this thing where he like giggles and laughs. Okay. Or he gives away a car. It's like the 15 second version of this thing. But he also does ones where he'll like dance with like Addison Ray, and then he's kind of fulfilling that niche too. He's like in the mix with like the big dancer, yeah. TikToker personalities. Do you think it's all like iPhone or cause he was shooting the vlogs it's, on a camera? Yeah. It's iPhone. Occasionally he does the, occasionally he does the, um, I think he probably edits some stuff, but it, no, it's all iPhone. So the bulk of it is probably him shooting and editing on his phone. So that's fascinating. Much more streamlined. Yeah. yeah he just needs to. Yeah. Oops he's quick he's 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 well he's also really young so he understands innately how to make tiktoks mm-hmm. <laughs> he's young enough that he hasn't hit the threat there's another graph for you it's <laughs> like this age where i think if you're born after 1995 mm-hmm. you understand inherently how to make tiktoks but if you're born before 1995 you don't maybe it's 1997 it's yeah. it's one of those like it's somewhere in that range What's the correlation between consuming TikToks and being able to make TikToks? Because I just don't have TikTok. There's no phone. correlation. There's no correlation. I know a lot of people who watch it, but don't make don't any. How to make it? And I think it has. I think it's the age thing. I think if you're if you're if you're above that age, you watch them and you're like have just no understanding yeah. of how these how these how this magic happens. Do and you, if you're below you, a certain age, you, you know watch, how to do it. Do you? Watch? I 
I watch. I don't watch actually. I I never watch TikTok. Okay. I see them on other social media platforms, but I never open TikTok on my phone. It's called very very rarely. Only to like try and like learn and try and analyze it and see what what what's happening and see what songs are trending and whatever. I don't know what um, bucket I, fall I never get in, sucked in, but I feel like I'm long form, and then I will always focus as that as what I want to create, and then anything short form is just clipped from that secondary like tertiary like always after the thought um it would be difficult for me to go on a trip or do a project where the product is 15 seconds or yeah from that you know it's just I, like a different I, way of thinking i did a um a trip that was seven days out west and basically the output of that it was about like uh interviewing people who were affected by wildfires and the output of that was two YouTube videos. One is one was like three or four minutes, and one was like eight minutes, nine minutes. The longer one was like more of like a doc, and the shorter one was more of just like a fast-hitting YouTube video. And then from that, created a. I basically wrote a voiceover that was thirty seconds long, mm-hmm. and recorded the voiceover, and then pulled clips to like cover it and posted that on TikTok. So only on TikTok, but you you had to make a YouTube video, right? I posted the I posted two YouTube videos, but then from the YouTube videos I pulled like stuff and created a TikTok. Okay. So it was like a week long trip and the output was a nine minute video, a four minute video, and a thirty second TikTok. But the beauty of TikTok is you can post it on Instagram too. Yeah. So How does Instagram birds, fit into all this? One stone. Instagram reels, I get a good viewership on reels. Like when I make reels a reel. Yeah. A lot of people watch it. More people than follow me sometimes will watch it. Okay. And so it's interesting. There's something going on with that algorithm, but I haven't like like kind of leaned into it and figured it out. So for new products, the social media platform will spend more money and more energy uh, recommending that to people. So that just makes sense. But as it has success, it'll pull back from that much in the way that, um, yeah, we're seeing that with TikTok. TikTok is just bleeding money by spending time uh, getting people to watch it through the algorithm. Yeah. Well, and Instagram, Instagram doesn't have that many people creating on reels and they don't have that much content to show, but they want to get more people to do it. So there's an opportunity as more people are looking for creators. They'll recommend it. They'll spread out the recommendations. Okay. So it's a, it's a mix of New early, they're putting time and energy into it, and then fewer people are on the platform. But as yeah, okay, yeah, it's like sense. the Gary Gary V approach, right? Like if there's new social media, you got to hit it super. He has a term for it, but it's like you got to hit it super hard and slow hanging fruit, right? Yeah, yeah. So so that I, how, I think Reels is that. So other than Reels, what are your how have your how has your opinion of Instagram changed in the last year? Instagram is an e-commerce platform. It's with a great the, place. The to, shops that just came out great place to go shopping i am shocked at how much how what a high percentage of it is advertisements i guess i'm not shocked because it's owned by facebook right facebook Mm -hmm. is a dirty gnarly fucking gross company (laughs) and their whole their everything that they do is built around making money stealing people's attention so that they can like generate revenue and they generate more revenue they're amazing at generating revenue and so they exploit the shit out of Instagram and people's addiction to it. And they exploit people and make them more addicted to it so that they can sell more ads, sell more stuff. And they've basically just like hoard out 
the whole platform to become just mm-hmm. this place for selling you stuff and ideas. Yeah. And so I, when you scroll the feed, one out of every three things that you look at is an ad. It's something that you didn't choose. When you go through stories, one of every four or five is something that you didn't choose to look at that is just going into your brain that's just wasted. Atten- like it's already a waste to like watch like random stuff all day on there. But they're really leaning into just showing you as much stuff as possible that you didn't choose to mm-hmm. see. Yeah. And I know you, what do you know think this. about it. I would describe their main focus as just prediction models. Yeah. They're getting good at it. It's getting much better. Uh, yeah, I would say they're also a gross company. <laughs> um, the Zuck, man. The shopping is weird. Um, I don't know. Have you ever shopped? Do you consume Instagram still? Like, how, I, I how have your behaviors like- on Instagram changed as they made changes and then you kind of became more self-aware about what's actually happening to you as you consume this product and give it your time? My behavior hasn't really changed that much. I'm very aware of what's going on. And I realize that I guess that's a position of privilege that I think most people don't come from where they look at it and they say, oh, I need to buy this. That's a good idea. I should do it. I should get up a day, wash my ass. Like stuff, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, I'm very aware of what they're doing. At the same time, I'm very, very interested in watching what my friends are sharing and what they're posting and people that I'm interested in care about what they're posting. Mm. So I sort of like try and seek that stuff out. And I also always hold out hope that will some version of that old version will come back because at one point it really was one of the most magical places on the internet. I don't, I don't, magical inventions. I don't know. Do you feel any kind of guilt feeding this beast that's destroying the world? <laughs> Cause I've, I've had some self-reflective moments this year especially in the past couple of months where I stopped to think my main income is coming from two of the big four, Google and Amazon. And my job is I'm an influencer and I'm just in the uh, attention economy. I'm kind of fracking natural beauty and experiences and just putting it online. So I'm pretty much taking experiences from the real world, making it digital, accessible to everyone and it's kind of like a land grab for what can you get away with and make money with, with just exploiting nature in a sense. So I don't know. I I've like stopped to think would my grandkids, like what is my job and what I'm doing right now going to look like to people in 30, 40 years? It, I don't know. So I think that I know for a fact that national parks, um, visitorship is up substantially in the last few years way up and that comes from people like you sharing it and like making an advertisement for it oh i should go to grand tetons that looks cool yeah and mostly instagram and seeing a post and like having a lot of likes when your friends like oh wow those peaks look cool that's so pretty i want to take that instagram picture and you want to go there and then you buy the ticket and you go there and when you go there you realize that it's much more than that Maybe, maybe not. Maybe some people don't realize that. I guess that's true because you go to to Yellowstone and you see that the guys are in, it's like ding, 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 taking pictures of iPads and then walking back in a minivan and then like, so yeah. Mm. But I I do, for me personally, I've definitely been inspired by social media to travel to more of these places and experience them. I guess that was like a starting point. Mm -hmm. And now that I've done it, and experience them more, I've, I've had an emotional re- reaction and response to seeing these places. 
and that has inspired me to go more and to really appreciate the beauty and really appreciate like this aspect of life, that opportunity to be able to do that. So I think that, you know, um, what you do is you basically create an advertisement for people to go and do something that can have a huge impact on them and on their perspective and hopefully inspire yeah. them to do more to save the environment and, and go to that trip to that place that's beautiful and, and spend money and buy the national park pass and all that stuff in a way that sort of hopefully has a positive impact. Yeah. Tra on. Traveling has changed me considerably. So I can see that. How, how, how different is your perspective as someone who's traveled a lot than someone who's, who stays in the same place forever and ever you learn so much. And yeah. it's when you go to these places, not only seeing the places and the beauty and the experience there, it's talking to people and meeting people from different walks of life, especially when you go abroad, right? Especially yeah. when you go to Peru and you say, Oh, well, who are you? What's your deal? Or you meet someone at the, at the hostel or whatever, and you can talk to them. It's like, those things don't make it into your videos as often, but those are probably a huge part of your experience and what makes it so nice and valuable, not just taking pictures of pretty places. Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to remember that some people literally never travel. So some people in Iowa or any, all, all different places in the U.S. have never been on a flight. They've never really traveled. Some people traveled. in Brooklyn. Some yeah. people in Brooklyn. Yeah. Some people could take a, a big trip. Uh, to Florida and just to see the beach and to enjoy that is the one time that they get a big vacation and like that's the extent so it's hard to remember that some people in small towns don't even have the diversity that we take for granted here in New York like just being here in the city is almost like a daily vacation into experiencing new people new ways of thinking new ways of talking whatever um so yeah it Okay. It, it, you're giving me more optimism about this. This is good. <laughs> That's how you should be. That's, I mean, uh, hopefully you, you take that perspective with you. And I yeah. know it doesn't necessarily make it into the narrative of, of the story that you're sharing, but it's, it, it's definitely part of your personal narrative. Just think about the people you've met in the last two years. Mm -hmm. Like the people that aren't necessarily in the videos, but the people you had a beer with while you were waiting in between a campsite. Yeah. That is... I don't know for you. For me, that part of it is is the best part of it. I think people have been focusing and shifting their life online. Um, it was kind of eventual, and this definitely sped that up. People using Amazon, there's more delivery. Um, I think Twitch viewership is up, esports, gaming in general, people using computers, people using broadband, consuming content, Netflix, Hulu. Uh, just escape people escaping in general, I feel like is at an all time high right now. Um, like has your life shifted to the online more so? And do you think that's going to last like into the future? Well, you, I mean, we're kind of the same, like we were digital nomads before it became cool Yes, to be one, <laughs> you know, when you work for yourself, you don't need to go to an office. So I, I've worked for myself since 2018. So I kind of got a jump head start. So my life didn't really change that much. Um, I still worked like on my own in my own space and um, traveled a lot for work. I traveled a little bit less, but I didn't, I never needed to go to an office. I was always comfortable like traveling and being on the road and working from different places. Um, and I think our, our careers lend themselves to that, right? Like you have to travel to shoot the stuff to like go into the, to make the content. So from that standpoint, I don't know, it's very normal for like people like uh, what I had been doing all of a sudden now all my friends were like, oh yeah, let's go here for a week or two. Mm -hmm. People at regular jobs. And I'm like, yeah, we could. I've been doing this for the last two years. A lot of my friends left the city and I've been doing FaceTimes and social media online kind of social circle interactions way more than in person. 
Like I'm legitimately thinking about not accepting meetings in person with people through the winter here in New York city and just trying to do everything online. And that's why I'm kind of excited about doing Twitch in general, because I can shift some aspect of my life into that digital space and still make it meaningful, valuable. And I think rich, like there's a way to do online social interactions that add to your life and aren't just an escape or fake or, you know, like, I think this is good. Like we, we maybe could have met up for coffee, um, but that would have been taking a risk. And then it also would have taken time to schedule that. But I think it's really nice to catch up at least to talk to you. You know, it's been a, a fair amount of time since we last did that interview or talked in general. So like, even though this is online and digital space, whatever, I, I think it's, it's been good to catch up with you. It doesn't feel, yeah, it doesn't feel weird to do. And like you said, like there's opportunity with other things you can do. You can share it and put it out in places that if we were talking in person, once I get it gone, <laughs> it would have been we, really cool to have a chat going, have people watching live, um, because that adds to their experience. Of course they could watch it on podcast or YouTube afterwards, but there's something special about being the first to witness it live. Um, we'll, we'll have to do it again. We'll yeah. Have to do it again. I'm going to get it a hundred percent chatting. I'm just glad we got at least the video and us talking today. Um, and eventually I, I want to get you playing something. I know, I don't know if you, you play video. I feel like everyone plays video games in some regards. So maybe chess, I don't know, something to get chess, you playing. Yeah. I play board games, board games. I don't, I don't play video games. Settlers because, like Catan? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Cool. I, 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 I'm really bad at video games. So I just, it just skill wise. <laughs> I can't, I just can't hang. I can't hang. I just get my ass kicked and everything. Yeah. Like, it's like, I was that guy going back, like double, like, um, golden eye or whatever. I would, they, okay. everyone's like, you've got to play gold mine. It's the best. And I would just like, the game would start and be like, dead right away, yeah. right away. Every time I'm like, how did, where are you? How did I get shot so quickly? It takes so practice. Have- Everyone starts at that point, but some, most people I think take that anger and it fuels them to practice and get better so they can do that to other people. But for you, you just said, no, I'm done. <laughs> so that's for me, just, I just, yeah. <laughs> Open up a book, watch a movie. Oh, shows real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Have you watched, have you watched the show industry yet? No. What is that? Industry is the most underrated show on TV right now. It's HBO show. It's a new HBO show. It's like a BBC co-production and it's about these kids who work in, um, eye banking. It all takes place in London and they like work super hard, party super hard. And it's kind of like office politics. It's like billions meets euphoria that's kind of like what people are saying so it's like a series scripted series yeah it's eight episodes eight eight or ten something like that it's a scripted series this is the first season no one like super famous in it um it's so good it's so good and like i don't know what like no very few people are watching and apparently it's a hit in in the uk but Mm -hmm. no one's watching it here and i keep telling people and when people do watch it they're like wow i think it's the best show best should I have a new show in like a year or two. Is it like how to make it in America or you said billions? It's similar it's to pretty that. pretty unique, stylistically pretty unique. Okay, cool. Music is really interesting. Um, check it out. I'll check that out, yeah. It's very good. Anything else? There's no movies coming out, so it's all TV right now. It's intense. Well, all the movies are coming into HBO Max. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> Christopher Nolan is in a huge fight. Whether, whether, whether Nolan likes it or not, yeah. 
Man, yeah. I always think it's funny when these big Hollywood people like sound off and have really strong opinions because it's like what Spielberg had that one big when he's like, I'll never uh, direct to Netflix or whatever. I don't know. Some other people were pissed off about frame rates. They're like these damn TVs putting optical flow motion on my TVs and stuff. It's always funny. Well, I guess to, to be fair to Christopher Nolan, he has made Warner Brothers a lot of money more than anyone else recently yeah. between yeah. all his different movies that he, all those movies the batman ones especially but inception everything else they've made a lot of money and so he should have some influence and sway at the same time he's complaining now and he forced their hand on tenet and like no one went to see it so it's like they lost a lot of money on that and now he's still complaining about it. it's like you shouldn't have played your you should have waited like yeah. wait hold tenet for a year put it out next summer like why not yeah, I think he's a little bitter about just the outcome of Tenet. Um, had its issues. Yeah. I still appreciate a good old Nolan flick. Uh, it comes out of nowhere, you know, not adapted, unique, interesting and different. Uh, but still, did you see it? I didn't see it, but I I, I, I'm, I will see it at some point. But I wasn't going to go to the theater to see it. I didn't need to. And I think that that's probably true of a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I'd like to have that movie experience. And that's why I think like if a movie, if, if it was on, if it was a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, more people would have gone to the theaters, not as many as if there was no pandemic going on, mm. but it's like, because it didn't get great reviews, that combination of why would I risk it? Like for a movie that's like mediocre because the critics say it's mediocre. You gotta like, just hold it and come, you can put a movie that's 50% Rotten Tomatoes. If you can go to the theaters and it'll crush mm. if you're a Christopher Nolan. He should have been more self-aware that people were not going to go see this movie. Yeah. Yeah. You'll see it. I'm, I'm curious to know if you like it or not, just as a movie. Yeah. Because you liked Inception, right? I'm excited. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to like about the, like, you know, visually. I, it, he always does a great job of, of, of breaking some barrier, some visual barrier, doing something that services the story, right? Mm -hmm. That's like what's, I think is like what, what his genius is an auteur. Is he, uh, it's always like, he, he or he creates the story in order to do some visual trick yeah right like that's what the narrative is all based around is like let me try and i want to make a movie that goes in fo in forward and reverse at the same time so let me write this whole crazy script just to like be able to do that it is nighttime now my dude <laughs> it's this always is, weird when it? you record anything during this time because it was day now it's night this is that scandinavian hoogly vibe i was talking about before Literally anytime you're in LES, just hit me up because I'm the kind of person that likes to make plans, uh, suddenly. So yeah. if you're just in the area yeah. and want to grab coffee, just hit me up. Okay. I will. You should though think about the winter running. Cause I went every day this week <laughs> and it's really nice. It's really, really nice. Just put on some sweatpants, Jeez. put on some a fleece <laughs> and get out there. Put on, as long as you have some gloves, it's yeah. really nice, dude. Yeah really nice yeah for hiking if it's freezing out you just got to keep moving and then you you just you're okay after like 30 minutes of walking so i feel like it's the same for running probably exactly oh i did my first marathon dude i i cr i didn't think i could do the full distance and now that i've done it i know i can push the time i i know i can do it again so definitely hit a threshold or past there's it. there's one moment where you're sitting like 18 miles in <laughs> and you like film yourself. And yeah. I just was like, I know exactly what he's going through yeah. right now. I wanted to stop and there. I saw I that on your face where you're like, yeah, like this is the worst. And then I love like bringing in the snacks and the Gatorade and all that stuff throughout. It's huge.